we've been in this series, The Light Has Come. And there's three things uh, that we've talked about, or the third thing will be today. The first thing we talked about is light uh, came to bring freedom, came to set you free. And the light has entered, the second thing we talked about, the light has entered to bring salvation. And the third thing we're going to unpack today in 1 John chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 5 through uh, verse, verse 10. So if you've got your scriptures, you can turn with, turn with me there. It's kind of toward the end of your Bibles, so you can find it. It's hard. If you don't know, then the beginning, there's a concordance, and you can look it up. Other than that, y'all probably got your phone, and you can just type it in. That way you don't need to know where it is. So it's good. The first John, I want to I want to tell you all a little bit of the history of first John. But first John is written um, by a guy named John or believed to be written by John. Um, it's really a lot of what he said in the book of John. And we see a lot of similarities. But he's writing to a group of people that's not specified in the book. But there is some understanding of what's going on during this time period. So during this time period, there's a group called Gnostics that have risen. And they have been claiming the Gnostic just means knowing. And so uh, the Gnostics claim to have a greater knowing. And so he's basically writing some, some truth to tell them what true illumination looks like because the Gnostics claimed that they had a greater illumination than anyone during that time. So John is writing about the true light or the true illumination, the truth. And he's saying in the first one through five, he's saying, listen, I swear by it. I've touched him, I've heard him, I've seen him. I am a good witness to this guy named Jesus who is the true illumination. And so we're going to talk about what this true illumination does, the third thing as we unpack this. So you got it? First John 1, everybody in? Let's go. Y'all live today? Y'all good, right? Like, let's, we're going to have some fun together, okay? Everybody loosen up. We, we, we good? Okay, let's go. Let's do this. Start in verse 5, okay? He says, this is the message that we've heard from him and proclaimed to you. Remember that word message uh, is, is the word angel or herald, what we talked about a few weeks ago. So it's just some news. This is the proclamation. This is the message that we've heard from him, Jesus, and proclaimed to you. So I'm just telling you what I've heard. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness... We lie and we don't practice the truth. The word walk is just living life. It's actually to what you are doing, what you're actively a part of. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all of our sin. We're going to unpack what that means. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Man, this is a beautiful thing to know that we're all a little bit jacked up here, right? Every single one of us got a little bit of something. So what you need to know is you haven't walked into a perfect group of people. You walked into a hospital today, and we're all in a little bit of triage, right? So we're going to walk this thing out together. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, here it is, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him to be a liar because he's saying, hey, listen, you're all a little bit jacked up. And his word is not in us. So here's two things. As we walk in light, 
Living immersed in the light. When you jump into a pool, water immerses you. So it talks about walking in light. Two things are going to happen. When we are immersed by the light of God, two things happen. We begin to have fellowship with one another. That means we get revealed. We get seen. And we're not afraid to do it. Because guess what we've admitted? i got some stuff to hide. I've got some imperfections. And when we realize that we have imperfections and, and Christ calls us into the light, guess what begins to happen? I don't got much to hide. Because I know I'm, I'm a little bit messed up. So when we stand before the Lord, we're saying, God, I know I'm messed up, but I know that you're not messed up and you're good and I'm not and you're going to impart to me goodness. And so the first thing that happens is we step in the fellowship and we're going to unpack what that means. We're stepping in fellowship together. And then the second thing is we are cleansed by the blood of Christ. So as I step into light and I'm revealed, I can't fix myself, but Christ, you can fix me and you can transform my life. So the third thing that we're going to unpack today is this, this about this fellowship. Light came to bring fellowship. What does that mean? During World War II, uh, the enemy conducted experiments to find the most effective type of punishment uh, for eliciting information from prisoners. Can you guess what it was? In World War II, there were so many different things that they used. They found that solitary confinement was the most effective use of, of punishment, of torture. After a few days of solitary confinement, most men would tell all. That is why, guys, that we need fellowship today. I don't know if you came in, what you came in believing that you needed fellowship or you don't or you got life figured out and you can do it yourself, you know, because you've been hurt one too many times. But I want to tell you the truth, that, uh, that uh, you are called into fellowship and the greater freedom is to not do life by yourself. Acts 2, the Holy Spirit shows up in the early church and when he shows up in the believer's lives, they commit themselves to four things. They commit themselves uh, to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, and then it uses the word fellowship, and then to prayer. And I want you to notice that, that two things, that um, fellowship and the teaching are two named things. You need to understand that this thing right here is wonderful, but it's a teaching element. And the fellowship goes way beyond just simply coming and listening to the teaching. So there is another place, there is another realm of what we're actually called into as we walk this journey of light out. Fellowship has more to do uh, than teaching. Paul helps us understand a little bit more about what this word fellowship means in 2 Corinthians 6. And he says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. No, he's not saying don't be, don't be, a, don't be an acquaintance, don't be a friend to an unbeliever. That's not what he's saying. What, what fellowship has light with darkness? For what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? You see, in the Old Testament law, there was a law for the Jews to actually not yoke two different animals, two different types of cattle together to plow the field. So what Paul is saying is, he's saying, um, you guys are called together in a common purpose when you step into light. So you can't yoke yourself together. You can't have fellowship together, moving in the same direction at the same speed if you're a different type of something. So this word fellowship has the idea of more than just being known. It's actually moving in a direction that's similar. You have a common purpose. You have a common person. And so when we're talking about fellowship, it's actually way deeper than just this surface level friendship. It's actually a commitment to one another to actually move in the same direction. So if you've come into Christ, you need to know the life that you were, you were meant to live has a purpose, but not by yourself. 
It's actually meant to be walked out together as the body of Christ, the church. So, hey, if you're trying to operate this Christian life outside of the realm of fellowship, I want you to know what this verse just told us is you cannot have that and be so. You cannot be walking in light and not have the fellowship, not actually be moving in common purpose with other believers. You're not experiencing the fullness of what Christ meant for you to experience in the light. We have a design together for moving in purpose. 2 John 6, 6 tells us what that purpose or movement looks like. And he says, this is the commandment that you've heard from the beginning. You must walk in love. This is actually our calling together, guys. This is actually where we're plowing, where we're headed. Because when we've stepped into light, what we've realized is the gospel, the good news is that I'm not perfect, but a good king in heaven has declared me perfect. He has given me love when I did not love him. So I have received this love. Thus love begins to transform my heart. And it's probably transformed many of y'all's. And now our commitment is, guys, we're going to yoke ourselves together and begin living our life in the love of God, for the love of God, so that others experience the love of God. This is our purpose. So many of you, if you're looking for a purpose in something that is here of this world, you're trying to look for purpose in your job or your relationships or whatever that purpose is, um, you can rest assured that you will come up wanting every single time if it's something other than true purpose which Christ has called you into. God has given you purpose in the light together as the body of Christ. You will find purpose nowhere else. But our search for purpose and our belief in, a, in maybe a falsehood has caused many of us to step into a hole that we don't know how to get out of. But I believe today that Christ wants to bring freedom in our life as we step into the truth today. The first thing as we step in um, understanding this message of fellowship, true fellowship requires honesty. True fellowship requires honesty. Verse 6 says, if we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we don't practice the truth. True fellowship calls us to actually be practicers of the truth. Another word for the word fellowship is actually uh, what we might consider friendship. Like, so true friendship requires honesty. True friendship requires honesty. Does anybody want uh, better relationships in the room today? You want to grow in your relationship with, uh, with your wife or your husband, with your kids, with your um, co-workers, with your family members, with people here. We want to grow in our relationships. And I believe what we're going to talk about today is um, how we grow with our relationship with the Lord. It also manifests with how we grow with our relationships vertical too as well, or horizontal, excuse me. So what, manifest, what comes from here manifests here. And so we can apply these to both of these relationships so true fellowship with the king requires honesty first. I got to be honest about me and I got to know the truth about you and it sets me absolutely free. Now we're going to press in and we can apply these to our relationships even around ourselves. So the first thing as we step into honesty and understand what fellowship looks like, honest, be honest about yourself, number one. Let's be honest about ourselves. In a, in a USA Today article, uh, it said that college students today are harder on themselves and more demanding on others they report higher levels of social pressure to be perfect. Any perfectionists in the room today? Come on, perfect people. Yes, thank you. We all recovering together. One of the lead researchers concluded, today's young people are competing with each other in order to meet societal pressures to succeed, and they feel like perfectionism is necessary in order to feel safe 
It feels safe when I feel perfect. Honestly, when I feel better than you, I feel safer, right? In order to meet societal pressures to succeed and they feel perfectionism is necessary in order to feel safe, socially connected and of any worth. Unfortunately, perfectionism can lead to anxiety, clinical depression, anorexia, and other health issues. Here, I want to I bring some freedom in the room today. And I want you to know that everything that you believe about somebody not being enough, uh, you're probably right. Probably right. They're probably not enough. And they probably are failing. Your boss probably isn't perfect. He probably actually, or she probably doesn't have the capacity to be perfect. You got him. You got him. You win. You, you winning. Call him out all day. You got it. You going to win. Uh, your husband, your wife, you got them, you're right. Hey, me, you're right. You're right. But you know what else is right? I know you're not perfect either. Let this be freedom for you today. Why are we holding them to standards that we could not achieve? Jesus says something to the people as he preaches in, I think, Matthew 7, where he says, uh, why are you noticing the speck in someone's eye when you got a plank sticking out of yours? Why don't you first pull that plank out of your eye and then you can talk about the speck to help, speck to help them. You can actually help them when you actually can see right. But you can't see because you're so focused on what their problem is, you don't even see yours. Yours is 10 times as worse. And I promise when we start seeing the plank in our eye, we're going to have grace for the people who have specks in theirs. But first be honest with yourself to see the giant plank in your eye. So if you find yourself stepping, stepping into perfectionism and you start evaluating your miss and your miss and your miss and you find yourself doing a lot more of this than this, you can rest assured maybe you need to step back into light and allow yourself to be revealed because this is sometimes or most all the time a cover for these. So you can understand this is what gives me grace for people who do this because they got a lot to hide. And when I step into this and I start doing this, guess what? I got a lot to hide. And so you can have grace for anyone in your life who's doing a lot of this. And you don't have to do this back at them. You can know that, guess what? Underneath this is a lot of hurt. And they got a lot to hide. So press in with grace, just the way the Lord presses in with you. And understand this, that as we confess our sin to him, he forgives us over and over and over and over. Can you imagine someone coming to you in your life, confessing to you every single day, I've messed up on you in this way, in this way. And every single day you saying, slate is clean. Slate is clean. I covered it. Okay. Every day. No, every day. Covered, covered, covered. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being that kind of friend? I'm going to tell you, you get, you get about three of those of me. You know what I'm saying? Like truly, like before I'm like, I don't know. I don't know about you anymore, right? But, but the kindness of God draws us to tr transform our life because it's so unnatural. It's so beyond, it's so supernatural. And that's what he's calling us into, that we get to be honest with ourselves, guys. What a wonderful blessing of freedom, y'all. I'm jacked up and so are you and I know it. <laughs> it's good. Praise the Lord, man, that he covers us in our brokenness. And he sees what nobody else sees. 1 John 1.8, he presses in and he says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves 
That means that you, you try to tell me you don't have any brokenness in your life. You lie. You lie. I know. You deceive yourself and the truth is not in us. You see, the closer we press to Jesus, the, cl- the more of a, lo- a spotlight it is on us, right? When you get closer to Jesus, you get closer in the world, you start reading the truth, you go, that ain't me. And what it can cause is, there's two types of reactions. It can cause me to shrink back and cover back up and go, no, that's me, that's me. Yeah, I'm doing good, I'm doing good. Or it can cause you to press into the light and you go, that's not me, but oh, how good God is. Thank you, God. And you, and you continue to begin to worship and you get more and more revealed and thus you begin to reflect his goodness to the world. You can press out of that darkness, my friend, and back into light, not to relish in your darkness, but to relish in his goodness. Oh, come on now. Yo, let's go. You better get excited about the word. You know, you just got to get excited about the word sometimes. I pray that it brings life to you today. The second thing about honesty that we've got to press into is be honest with others. Be honest with others. Y'all seen the movie The Christmas Story? Anybody? Y'all going to watch it this holiday season? Yeah, Ralphie. A few of y'all are. But in this movie, there's this scene, right? There's this scene where uh, Flick, they triple dog dare him to put his tongue on the pole. Remember that? They're on the playground. They're like, triple dog dare you. And you know, at that age, when they triple dog dare you, you just had to do it no matter what it was. Like, right? It was just the rule. I don't know why it was a rule, but triple dog was like the rule. You had to do it. So in this movie, Flick puts his tongue on the pole and he's screaming, I'm I'm stuck. I'm, I'm stuck. And they freak out and they run in because it's cold and recess is over. So they go inside the building and they look out the window and he's standing there on the pole. And the teacher's like, where's Flick? And she realizes that he is stuck on that pole. And so she freaks out. She runs out there. And, and here's part of, part of these this lines are, are absolutely amazing because it reveals the nature of man, I believe. When, he, when they release Flick from the pole, he comes in and says, uh, Flick somberly walks back into the room with a bandaged tongue. And the teacher addresses the class with a shaming tone. Now, I know that some of you put Flick up to this, but he's refused to say who did it. But those who did it know their blame, and I'm sure that the guilt you feel is far worse than any punishment you might receive. You don't, don't you feel terrible? Don't you feel remorse for what you've done? That's, that's all I'm going to say about poor Flick. Still, no one confessed in the room. Everyone sat silently. But you hear Ralphie's uh, voice come over, and, and he says this. He says, Adults love to say stuff like that, but kids knew better. Kids knew darn well it was better not to get caught. There's something enjoyable. You know what's better. Why would I get caught? Why would I step into the light? It's so much better than the darkness. I don't have to deal with the punishment. I don't have to deal with the pain of stepping into the light. But David, a man uh, later in his years in Psalm 32, speaks from a place of wisdom a place of experience, a place from a guy who actually lived a hidden life. And he speaks these words for anyone in this room, and I'm speaking to somebody who is hiding today. Let David speak to you from a man who has hidden and stepped into light. But he says, when I kept silent, when I hid my darkness, and it was undercover, my bones inside of me wasted away. Through my groaning all day long, 
From day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of the summer. But he says, here it is. But I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I began to speak it. I began to bring it into the light. And here's what began to happen. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want to invite you into being honest with God today. And according to the prayer of Jesus, Jesus actually encourages daily this. Did you know that? Confess your sin. Forgive me as I've forgiven those. It's a daily rhythm of, of our lives. It's meant to be. And if you say you have no sin, you deceive yourself. And so every single day you were actually meant to have this experience as you step into light of praise. As you're revealed, as you know yourself. So to be honest with yourself and to be honest with him brings healing in our lives. David, a man who hid, and I want to encourage you to go back in the scriptures. And as you see anyone who begins to segregate themselves, draw away in your life and around you, remember this. That the, the, the people in the scriptures who segregated themselves soon fell thereafter. Because what they said in their heart was, I don't need people, I've got this. I don't need any wisdom in my life speaking because I know wisdom. It's actually a form of pride to step away and step out of the fellowship of others. To believe that you know the way alone. And I, I want you to know, uh, you feel like maybe it's safer to hide. Uh, Christ says it's not. He says, step out into light and step with other brothers and sisters. Max Lucado, many of you guys will read his um, stories this Christmas. He wrote about an experience in his own personal life not too long ago. And he said when he was a high schooler that his friends uh, would love to like just binge drink. Drink alcohol, by the way. And um, they, would get, they would get sloshed. And so he recognized that in his family, they actually had um, some alcoholic tendencies. And so he swore off drinking when he was 21. He said, I'm not going to do that. But he said, then a few years back, something, resurrect, something resurrected my cravings. He said, at some point, I reached for a can of brew instead of a can of soda. And as quick as you can pop the top, he said, I was a beer fan again. Once in a while, then once a week, then once a day. It's Max Lucado. I kept my preferences to myself, he said. No beer at home, of course, lest my daughters think less of me. No beer in public. Who knows who might see me? None at home, none in public, leaves one option, he said. Convenience store parking lots. For about a week, I was that guy in the car drinking out of a brown paper bag. It's only a couple years ago. No, I don't know what resurrected my cravings, but I remembered what stunted them. En route to speak at a men's retreat. Listen, y'all, listen. I stopped for my daily purchase. I walked out of the convenience store with the beer pressed against my side, scurried to my car for the fear of being seen, opened the door, climbed in, and opened the can. Then it dawned on me. 
I had become the very thing that I hate. A hypocrite, a pretender, two-faced, acting one way, living another. I had written sermons about people like these, he said. Christians who care more about appearance than integrity. It wasn't the beer, but the cover-up that nauseated me. So what happened with my hypocrisy? Here's, here's a way of freedom as we step into light. He said, first I threw the beer can away in the trash. Next, I sat in the car for a long time praying. Then I scheduled a visit with my church elders. I didn't embellish or downplay my actions at all. Something you just need, need to bring into light. Something's been hidden a long time, and the longer it stays hidden, uh, the darker it seems when it comes into light. So let this be a rhythm of our days. He said, then I scheduled a visit with my elders. He said, I just confessed. Confessed everything. And they in turn pronounced forgiveness over me. I, want, I just want, you need to know, if we, if we all know that we're broken today, I don't know what you're so afraid of. And the enemy does such a good job of telling you nobody will understand. Nobody will care. Nope, everyone will be done with you. And I want you to know as you stepped into the hospital today, um, this has to be a rhythm of our lives here. It's got to be a safe place for us to actually step into light. Because here's the truth. The scripture, unless it's false, every single one of us has something. Okay? Every one of us at all times has something. So if this is not a rhythm of how we walk together, y'all, we will never experience the fullest kind of freedom as we walk with Jesus. Now, this isn't a place to relish in the darkness. We've actually been called to something far, far different than the darkness. But we must be a place of confession. We must understand that we're broken and that Christ desires to bring healing. He says, I confessed to them and they turned to me and gave me forgiveness. A man named Jim Potts, a silver-haired saint, reached across the table and put his hand on my shoulder and said something like this. What you did was wrong, but what you are doing right now is right. God's love is great enough to cover your sin. Trust his grace. That's the message of the gospel today. And you'll find that when you step into light, uh, what was hidden in the darkness loses its power. It loses its intrigue. You ever um, think about something and you're so sure of it being so? Or you imagine, let's say, let's go into relationship for a second. You imagine that if you had this relationship, it would be wonderful. And you, you, you contemplate and you think and you imagine and you conjure up this wonderful picture of what it's going to look like. And then you get that thing, right? And you realize it isn't what you imagined. It's not what you expected. It's not what you had hoped for. That's what it's like when you bring things into the light. But if it remains in the darkness, hidden in imagination, um, it often leads us far astray. It often leads us into a place that we never expected going. So this is what I encourage you as we bring freedom today, as we experience fellowship with the King. Confess your sins. That word sins is specific. It's very easy to come to God and say, God, I have messed up today and here's my, here's my can of stuff. You know, you don't name it, but it's just, it's there. It's kind of something and it's, but the word is being specific, sins. Be honest with him today. And if you want to experience freedom, name it. Find out how hard it is. And I want to encourage you, let this be a rhythm of your life. Name it out loud every single day. 
And you'll find that that thing that you feel has, maybe today you feel has such control over you and you can't control it. It's just who you were designed to be. It's who you were made. I promise you that's a lie. It will lose its power when you, when you speak it. Give it to the king. Allow him to take it. And watch how that thing loses its grip of control over your life. Right where you are today, I want to invite us into fellowship with the Lord in a, in a, in a fresh way. Because what he says is, as we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive. That means bring healing in your life, to cover it. But we've got to give those over to him. We've got to start naming them. And I want to encourage you, I don't care how old it gets, name it every single day. And let healing be brought to your life every single day as he shines light, 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 light. And you can rest assured, every single day you've got something. So don't give up. Experience his grace and his goodness every single day. Right where you are right now, would you, just, would you confess, what is that thing that's in the darkness in your life? Right where you are, just have a moment with him. God has also set up ways for us to experience the miracle. Did you know that? In James, it speaks about how the miracle can happen in fellowship, what brings healing in our lives. And James 5.16 says this, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So there's this element of, all right, do you guys really want to experience the healing balm of experience of Christ in your life? Do you really want to experience it? Then part of the experience, part of the healing is actually found together. Confession to one another. And then we walk into the experience of God. You don't just hear about him, you get to experience him. And if you find yourself alone today, I, I want to encourage you, would you step in relationship with somebody here in this room today? Would you confess what is hidden today and experience the healing you experience the voice of Christ, and I want you to know this is a safe spot because you're going to talk to Jesus today because he's going to look at you just like that silver-haired man looked at Max Lucado and said, guess what? What you did was wrong, but guess what's greater? The goodness of God, and I'm here to remind you of it. I'm going to pray over you. You're going to receive healing today. Then you walk into the experience of grace, not just hearing about grace. We're the hands and feet of Jesus. We're the body of Christ here. Do you want to experience Jesus today? You can only experience the true light as you walk in fellowship with one another. 
That's my encouragement to you guys today and us as a family. We all messed up. Welcome to the hospital. Let's walk this thing out together in love and watch how other people get to experience the light and love of Christ this Christmas season. That's my prayer. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for loving us right where we are. God, I pray for the one in the room who's um, feeling really far from you today. God, I pray that they would step in with all boldness knowing that they've been called. They've actually been adopted. And God, your healing is waiting for them if they will step in and actually listen to your word. Father, may we be a safe spot for people today. God, may we be an experience of your grace today. God, I pray that you would use us for healing all across the city. Use us in our, for healing in our families this Christmas season who are wounded and hurt. And there's many things that are hidden in the closet. God, I pray that we would walk as light and we'd call others to the place that we've experienced. Oh, God, thank you for loving us. I pray this in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen.